When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today, I am absolutely ecstatic to bring you a heartwarming and entirely inspiring episode with the uniquely talented Aubrey Marie. In this completely vulnerable episode, Aubrey speaks her heart on her experience of blossoming into empowerment through community and service. Today, she uncovers how she has overcome a past of depression, self-doubt, and sadness. Listen close as Aubrey reveals three truths to self-acceptance that will help you thrive to love. This has been something fun I like to do. If you think about the sentence, I love you, and if you draw parentheses around love, then you realize that really only love exists between you and I. Learn to accept your light and how to shine as Aubrey shows us a path to overcome fear and empower our minds on this uplifting episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Aubrey Marie. So it's another beautiful day here in Venice, California, and I'm absolutely honored to be sitting in front of one of my friends, an absolutely inspirational human being, someone who I admire for their resilience and their humble happiness. This girl's just like happy. She exudes <laughs> sunshine. I've known her for about two years and it's been an absolutely incredible ride. Brings me absolute joy to introduce Aubrey Marie. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> I think we're done. You already made me cry. We're wrap it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting started. Oh man. All right. Hi guys. I'm super happy to be here. And Andrew, I know we've been trying to square this away for probably like 10 months now I think it was the first time you approached me about it and just timing hadn't worked out but I feel more than ever the timing is perfect yeah that's the beauty of life is that it brings us to the right places at exactly the right time and I know that you know whenever you're ready is when I'm ready and so it's it's perfect (laughs) timing so um I want to really start uh at a point I feel kind of that was like a pivotal <laughs> pivotal point in both of our lives. Um, it was my 25th birthday at Trilogy <laughs> Sanctuary, and I was holding this awesome workshop, 
and this really cool girl just like walked in a little late and, you know she like <laughs> a little scampered late in, in in your class <laughs> your class yeah like literally middle <laughs> halfway through a little late you know yogi style late <laughs> in my defense i thought it was like an acro play party so i thought i'm just gonna like show up fashionably late that'll alleviate some of my social anxiety like things to be going but no it was the middle of a yoga class <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out well i mean she got set up i made sure that she had a little spot and immediately just like in watching your practice i knew that you were going to be an incredible yogi and just your your flow how you get into the positions and just the mindful execution of the postures was like this girl knows what's up oh i thought it was incredibly uh welcoming of you the way you were like no no it's okay we're mat to mat and you're 15 minutes late but i'm so grateful you're here and i was like oh this is a really cool tea and you know especially knowing me now like I don't know the last time I paid to go somewhere else on my own accord. Like, I'm just such a homebody. I'm happier kind of in my own time, my own space. And Mm -hmm. something just was, I I don't even remember what brought me onto Trilogy's website and made me think like, oh, I'm going to go pay $10 and drive 30 minutes to this kid's birthday party. I didn't really know anything about you, but something just drew me in. Yeah. drew me to that day. And and ever since then, I'd say that (laughs) our relationship has blossomed. (laughs) Yes. Super grateful. Um, But I do want to start out with a little bit of background on you, Aubrey. Mm. Um, If you can give our Yoga Revealed listeners a little insight on where you're from, who you are, and how yoga was first revealed to you. Sure. Man, it's so simple but so complex when you kind of lay it out like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been in California for about 11 years now, and that was when I took my first yoga class. I was down in San Diego, California, and a coworker needed to get some hours done. She was doing her teacher training, and all of that kind of sounded like a foreign language, but, you know, whatever. The nice girl at work wanted to take me somewhere, and I didn't have any friends or anything else going on that night, so... I found myself in a heated uh, core power class, and I was instantly hooked. It was like every Wednesday night, I went to that candlelit heated class, and it just became routine. But, you know, I look back, um, sort of like connecting the dots looking backward, I look at my parents' family photo albums, and there's photos of me full on in like Kapitasana and in a beautiful Urdhvatanyarasana. <laughs> at like three and four years old, I'm just like executing these poses. It's such yeah. a, a brilliance and... Um, it just sort of, it sort of seems like it's right. It seems like I found my path, you know, and it's kind of, there aren't really words. It just, it fits, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, so about 18 is when I first um, experienced yoga, you know, as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, so I'm from New Mexico. I moved here at 18, kind of just seeking. I don't know what I was seeking, but New Mexico wasn't giving it to me. Why did you move? Um, I, you know. I was, I was selling used cars and I was sitting there smoking a cigarette and I was like maybe 10 pounds overweight, no doubt like hungover because I did this like party all night, wake up early, go to class for a little bit, then go to work routine that I repeated, you know, five, six days a week. I held multiple jobs and mm. um, I just remember sitting there smoking my cigarette and thinking like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy about the fact that it's 15 degrees outside and I'm selling used cars and I'm 17 years old smoking a cigarette. Like this isn't my life. This wasn't this isn't, I should, I just, you know, you couldn't even have asked me what is a higher vibration? What does that mean? I didn't know the definition of it, but I felt it. I knew that the life I was living was very low vibrational and wasn't right for me. And literally I went, um, 
I took my lunch. I went to my friend's coffee shop and I said she was like nine months pregnant. And I was like, Barbie, you know, what do I'm I? Barbie. Barbie was her Aww. name. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do? You know, I'm just so not. And she's and she turns to me like super pregnant. And I just that image of her, you know, being 18, 19, pregnant, working full time in New Mexico. It just will never leave my mind. And she turned to me and she's like, you should move. And I was wow. like, and I said, well, but where? And she's like, ah, California. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why? I don't know. Why California? And she's like, I don't know, because it's not New Mexico. Hmm. And um, I packed up my things that night and I drove out to San Diego the next day. Wow. Immediately? <laughs> Just yeah. like that? Yeah, I was like, okay, I have a new truck. I have like $2,000 in the bank. Um, I should totally do this. Wow. And so, so you, yeah, like, the very next day at like 6 a.m., I remember my dad put on my license plate on my new truck because it was pretty new at that. <laughs> and, um, and I drove out to San Diego the next day all by myself. Why San Diego? I don't know. I had a few friends that before, so I'd been kind of seeking for about, for rather, about like six months leading up to this. And I had thought, maybe I'll join the Navy. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And through my little like two-month experiment with possibly the Navy, I met some friends that were here in or down in San Diego at the Navy base. Mm-hmm. And um, it just seemed like doable. It seemed, you know, yeah. and I look back, I'm like, man, how ignorant was I? <laughs> that was so dangerous. I didn't even have enough money to get started with first month's rent or to, but wow. I just felt it was doable. Sometimes it's when you have to go through that struggle that you yeah. literally are able to make that leap. Well, you know, you know I, Andrew, I grew up so poor that it, my whole life was a struggle, but I didn't really know it. Hmm. You know, my first, actually, my first week in California, my group of Navy friends, they took me to Fashion Valley Mall, which is a pretty, like, high-end mall. They have some nice shops there. And I remember seeing Bloomingdale's for the first time, and I was like, oh, my God, that's that's a real store. That's not just for that show Friends. Like, that's a real place. <laughs> and I was like, all of a sudden, um, I remember feeling so super inadequate because it, just not good enough. You know, everybody was so beautiful and so polished and they had the beautiful outfits and like watches and jewelry. And I was just so simple. And I remember that actually affected me pretty pretty heavily. It was like a big culture shock. You know, I grew up on like a dirt road. My dad works construction. Mm-hmm. My mom's handicapped. Like, I think we've lived off of about thirty-five or forty thousand dollars a year growing wow. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so super low income on a big piece of property out in the mountains, and then bam, I'm in San Diego, California, like the mecca of beautiful yeah. <laughs> and excess. And um, you know, I had no idea where I'd placed myself or where it would lead me. So, tell me about how you found your footing in San Diego, how you found your community, or did you find your community elsewhere? Sure. Actually, it's funny that you say that, Andrew. Your That story that we started this off with, your birthday party, is probably the beginning of the beginning of my community. Hmm. To be honest, I look... Oh, man, I'm getting all teary-eyed, guys. You can't see it, but it's happening. Um, Me too. <laughs> I... Uh, One of the things that I did to find a sense of grounding or a sense of belonging was that I decided to participate in this thing called the 100 item challenge or something along those lines. But the idea is you only own 100 items. And all of a sudden, I wasn't less than, I was excelling at something because I only had like 40 items to my name. (laughs) And I was like, I really, I just, I, um, I embraced that fully and I remember shortly thereafter I got my job working at an Apple store and kind of just 
it's interesting now looking back that's where I developed a lot of the skills that I use now my interpersonal skills my skills with whether it's like video editing or photo editing or even just photography you know itself um, so you worked at the Apple store just helping yeah, people out yeah I spent about six years working at Apple teaching technology and it was really it was everything from like how do I reset my Facebook password to um, you know I'm editing this this wedding video and it's due today and it's not exporting and like help me you know so problem solving was some pretty fun you know fun projects and mm-hmm. Like I said, through there, that was kind of my community, but still didn't really fit. I was definitely that girl where I got scolded multiple times, like, Aubrey, put your shoes on. Like, <laughs> you, you can't Barefoot be... Barefoot in the Apple Oh, yeah. Store? But my argument, I'm like, you guys, it's 8 a.m., and I'm helping this, like, 70-year-old woman reset her Facebook password. No one cares. So, yeah. you know, I'd be sitting full lotus on the little black stools and, like... Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so through that, I was, like kind of touched base back and forth you know with yoga and and really kind of I wouldn't say got distracted because it's all so beneficial now but definitely did get pulled away from that yogic lifestyle I um you know meditation completely fell off I rarely practiced it was I spent eight nine you know sometimes 13 hours behind my computer editing I loved video editing I just dived in or dove rather into it head first and I don't know, it got to a point where I was just like really depressed and it wasn't working anymore. Mm. And I cried every single day I went to work. Mm. Every day I'd wake up and I'd cry. My ex at the time would literally drive me to work because I just didn't have the drive to do it. But there was this, I was functioning from a place of scarcity, like, oh, I have my 401k, I have healthcare. I'd never had healthcare before. I'd never had any money in the bank. And, you know, and I even look at my family still struggling, you know, even after I've been moved out for 10 years. And so anyway, I, like I, I held on to it for way too long. And the day I quit, I went and got a tattoo. It was a quote by Steve Jobs here on my forearm. And it says, do something else wonderful. Because up until that point, Apple was the most wonderful thing I'd done. That was my community. Um, but I just knew that it was that was it was beautiful and it was wonderful, but it had served its purpose and it was time to to start writing that next chapter. Yeah. Shaped my head, got a tattoo, <laughs> and uh, took my teacher training. Wow. And that's right around when you and I crossed paths. <laughs> so you literally had you finished your teacher training when we met? Man, I am so bad with time and dating. January thirtieth of two thousand and fifteen. Yes, I had finished my teacher training. Yeah, so I had, I'd had it done. I think for like a year or two at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, wasn't then, and still even now, you know, not actively teaching part of the community. I definitely felt like an outsider. And like I said, for some some reason, I saw that you were having a birthday party, and I'd had I'd heard such good things about you, and mm-hmm. so I found my way there and. You know, I look back even at this morning or so many of the more standout moments of my life over the last year, and you have so much to do with them. You're a huge part of it mm-hmm. and the community that's stemmed from you, you know, Aww. and I think about the, the yoga community here in Venice and who I call my community of friends, and you're oftentimes can be somewhere, if not in the middle, somewhere tightly in the center, pulling us all together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I really feel that community is what helps bring us that support that backbone that we need to thrive and the people that we surround ourselves with are really the people that help to inspire us you know it's like we can only take flight with the birds that flock together and we want to soar high so you might as well surround yourself (laughs) with some pretty amazing people um I, i i want to touch on that because when I would say I don't I don't know exactly how long it was in our friendship but I you know invited you to lightning in a bottle. You remember <laughs> that? To take video footage for Rocky Dauni. 
Yeah, or, I mean, is that the time that you called me? Because that was the second year. I think the... Oh, is that the first year? That was the first year. Yeah, so you called me, what, at like... On like Wednesday or Thursday night, by the way, lightning in a bottle was like starting the next day. Exactly. And he's like, hey, I got you two tickets. Come, come on. And by the way, it's like quite an investment. Like you have to pack for a festival. And it was like a five hour drive. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm making it happen. And she did. She like arrived at my house like the night before with Jake, like totally like packed up and ready to go. I was like so committed to, I think I had like just enough money for gas. Like I was like, okay, I don't really know what I'm going to eat at this festival or how it's all going to work out, but I've got the gas money to make it happen. And I think I ended up like not. I think I asked you for gas money afterward. I don't remember. <laughs> all good. All good. Oh, but she man. made it. And and tell me about your experience at Lightning in a Bottle. Well, so, I mean, I'd gone to Coachella, but while it is a festival, it's hardly a conscious festival. It's, you know, almost the opposite. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, weird vibes going around at Coachella, and you can definitely find your bubble of, like, positivity, but it's still a really, like, interestingly competitive place, especially for someone like myself who's a bit antisocial. And, well, not antisocial. I'm pretty talkative once you get me going, but I'm, like, tight-knit. You know, I like, like, um, I'm yeah. happier with 10 people than 100. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, so Coachella was intense, and you invited me out to Lightning in a Bottle. And, of course, I'd, like, seen the... By the way, guys, I didn't even know what Burning Man was at this point. Like, literally, I'd lived under a rock. <laughs> and he invites me out to Lightning in a Bottle, and it was... I don't so I definitely didn't embrace it as one should I remember there were a lot of mornings where I actually had to like stay in my tent and just reflect Mm -hmm. and and kind of absorb all of it but it was beautiful to see such a big group of people functioning as a community with a sort of like mind in you know a like-minded sort of interest and there was just oh man beautiful self-expression every step of the way whether it's through what people are wearing or the eye contact I remember I was playing my singing bowl in the tent I was having a moment I was sort of meditating by myself and this guy walked by and I kind of stopped I'm like oh you know sorry like I don't mean to disturb you and he like sat down in front of my tent and and kneeled at me and sort of thanked me for the music that I was putting out into the world Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget the moment when sunset for the first time (laughs) wasn't that incredible so um you know i'm kind of like oh man i feel like i'm just this like firework just waiting to erupt right like i've got (laughs) so much fire there but also like i'm incredibly shy sometimes and i remember when the suns began to set i heard the first person howl and i was like oh my god that's so cool (laughs) and then i heard upwards of like a thousand people howl and i just like i stepped out of my tent like i'm like wait can i be a part of this and i like looked around like wait no one's gonna judge (laughs) yeah and you just Um, so that was, it was an incredibly transformative experience. And that's kind of what I mean when I look back at some of the most important, I mean, you were there at Coachella, you were there at Burning Man, mm-hmm. or not Burning Man, sorry, you're there at Lightning in a Bottle, you're there so many steps along the way. And it's so interesting that, you know, you ended up moving in with Caitlin and, and I get to spend so much time with you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, you're, you're one of those people that's not going anywhere. It's uh, interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I feel that like you have this unbound potential. 
Oh, and, man. And as, as you begin to learn yourself and to become more at home in your body and in your mind, mm-hmm. you're going to continue to blossom. And it's such a beautiful experience to be observing your blossoming. And that's like all I want to do is to help you get to the places that you need to be to be able to shine more. Because mm-hmm. that's like, I feel that honestly my friendship my my dharma my position on this earth is to help people shine and you happen to be one of those people who (laughs) i really really appreciate you have so much to offer Mm. and i think that there's a a big a void in the world today of people being uplifted to offer their truth and to shine their truth and I see that when you are allowed to shine your truth, you do it very, very brilliantly. Hmm. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah, learning to live from a place of love rather than fear over the last years. And only through the support of my community and through the motivation of my community, I believe. Um, you know, whether it's like throwing it way back and like even like getting in a fight with Mackenzie Miller and her being like, you're being an ungrateful little bitch. And I kind of Mm -hmm. like snapped me out. And that was around the same time that my engagement was ending and so much was kind of like seemingly like crumbling. And I found meditation Mm. and it's been reinforced by the people that I choose to spend my time with. And, you know, as far as my physical practice is concerned, like even, you know, whether it's you or any one of the other like dozens of amazing practitioners that we hang out with and, it's just those little moments um, and, and the feedback and the love and the care that we give each other. Yeah. You know? and, and like I said, feeling safe with this community to really be myself. And I realize the more I am myself, the more you guys love me. The more mm. I love, the more the universe loves me and supports me. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's almost you, you are this beautiful creation of the universe and it sees you as nothing less. And anytime you speak or think any differently it's like it's offensive the universe is hurt how could you think anything less of my beautiful creation and you know just gotta see yourselves the way the way you're seen Mm -hmm. in others eyes see yourself as a reflection of divinity yep because that's truly what you are yeah yeah i want to touch on you said that you stepped out of fear and stepped into what I would call like your own passion, like truly Mm. like understanding what you're here for. What were the three things that helped you most to step out of that fear and to better understand yourself and your passion? Well, community and connection is one, I think. And without realizing that like we are all experiencing our own struggle, we are all equal, we're all connected. You know, you can all of a sudden start to drop this armor that you have this fear of being judged or being imperfect or being anything other than what you are at your fucking rawest element. You are who you are, you know, and if if somebody in your life doesn't fully embrace it, then that person isn't right for you. Mm. Or maybe it's your dharma to help open their eyes. Whatever it is, never take it upon yourself and just be you. And so, again, through community and connection and realizing like, oh, when I feel a little depressed a couple days out of the year or month, let's be honest, um, a lot of other people struggle with that. And it's through finding, you know, there's going to be somebody that you can uplift that I promise is going to lift you up when you need it. Mm -hmm. Um, Vulnerability. 
understanding that vulnerability is the key to that connection. You cannot let people in and you can't, you know, at the end of the day as human beings, all we want is to connect. What would you say is your description of vulnerability? Well, for me specifically, I'm a bit edgy. I'm a bit, um, you know, my whole, so my mom has cerebral palsy and my whole life, like even just going to a grocery store with my mom involved getting out of the car first, getting my mom my cane, her cane rather, walking around to the driver's side, kind of like physically even embodying a, a more masculine or um, stronger side and having to like tense up my body so she can physically like grab onto my arm yeah. and get out of the car. Then there was this like emotional side where when people would look at her funny because she's got this awesome swag when she walks, she kind of like, you know, bounces. Aww, I love the she's, way you put it. Yes. If like, you could see Aubrey <laughs> right now with her, her just swag. Just, yeah, I tell my mom she's got like a pimp walk. <laughs> um, but so, you know, back in the day, though, like we were poor and I didn't know any less. And it just seemed like another thing that made me not worth it, not worth whatever it is. And so anyway, growing up, it was like a lot of like caregiver, lots of caretaking and kind of hardening, you know, even just like my mom doesn't read and write and having to read the bills and say, hey mom, so this one says like the water's gonna be shut off by the 15th if we don't pay, (laughs) you know? And so anyway, vulnerability for me is stripping away all the stories I've told myself over the years, like no, I'm not like super hardcore. I'm not masculine. I'm not the strongest person. I'm I'm feminine and I'm beautiful and that's okay and I'm not able to do everything and I won't be able to fix everything and take care of everyone and I'm not perfect. Like, um, you know, specifically, I think one of the things that, and it's continuing to evolve to this day is, is teaching. When I'm in, you said this earlier, you touched on it, when I'm in a space of service, whatever that is, I shine. Like that is my true dharma is to mm-hmm. help and give and uplift and share and one of the easiest avenues to do that is through teaching and yet when it comes to a group of like three or more and sometimes on video <laughs> <laughs> i uh i tense up and i question myself and it becomes analytical and all those stories that i've told myself over the years they come flooding right back um So really learning to overcome that and become a more active teacher and become a part of the community and share the wisdom that's within me because otherwise, what are we here for? Straight up. (laughs) Like, what is it all for? Um, So for me, becoming vulnerable, yeah. So what did I say? Connection, community, vulnerability, and then living from love. Always Mm. from love, no matter what it is. Never touch anything, think about anything, or do anything less than with your whole heart. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. Like, go sit in a corner by yourself until you have the love to go do your next step in life. Mm. Sit. Find stillness. Find that compassion and love for yourself, for your neighbor, for the tasks that await you throughout your day. That's That hits home very, 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 very deep in my heart because I feel that um, growing up with my grandfather... Um, he basically took care of me, my grandfather and my grandma, because my parents were working a lot and we were, you know, getting out of the poor bracket into the (laughs) middle class bracket, which, um, I commend my mom and my stepdad for taking the time to do so. Um, but I spent a lot of time with my grandpa and that's literally, he's like, do everything with your heart. He would say, boot man, look (laughs) here. You put your heart in it. And he he ended up, you know, dancing with Michael Jackson and Mm -hmm. going on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire and all these incredible people because he was so devout to 
literally his heart just whether it was making me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or helping me learn how to ride my bike like everything was so intentful and Mm -hmm. that was instilled in me in an early age and I feel that that has been the catalyst that has allowed me to connect with the people that I connect with today is that you know you see through all the facade you see through all of the preconceived notions when someone approaches you fully with their heart mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so i want to hear what has brought you to the space of feeling more confident in yourself and what about your path has now allowed you to share more than ever mm. This is a funny one to keep coming back to because it's not something that people can just like create. You have to kind of just stumble across it sometimes. And it has been that so many people believe in me, Mm. number one. Um, And of course, you know, more recently than not, I feel like I'm this new person. Over the last month, um, my dad almost died in in early December and... (laughs) You know, of all the people in my family, like, I love my mom with all my heart, and my brother is great, I love him, but, you know, my dad's my best friend, like, he's... Mm, your he's, daddy's girl. He's my homeboy, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I've kind of touched on this, my mom has cerebral palsy, and, and I'm in this this sort of point in my career where I was fortunate enough to be able to just, like, put my life on hold and go home and be with my family And it's really interesting because, you know, again, not knowing people more than maybe like what's on the surface. I think, you know, some of my close friends know, but especially for those of you who maybe follow me on social media and and I am not as open about it there. Right before my dad's accident, I was struggling with some some pretty intense depression. And I remember, you know, having, I think, a phone call with you and a phone call with Caitlin where I was just like, what is the point? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the next step? And, you know, and I think we all come to those those points periodically but this felt like it was like make or break you know and I won't I I remember hearing your voice and you sounded like like life had just been sucked out of you yeah I mean I was I won't use like the suicide word cavalierly but there were definitely thoughts that came up where it was just like but why but how like what is the point you know Mm -hmm. And I, and I think even a part of me like takes all this, it had at some point taken all the gratitude that I'd built up over the last year and then almost used that against myself. Like my life is so beautiful and there are so many reasons to be grateful. And yet here I am unhappy. Like if I can't find happiness here, where will someone find it? You know? And I almost started to feel too, like all the meditation in the world couldn't help because this like incredibly dark side of my personality had taken over and I'm an intelligent person so no matter what that positive side said my dark side was able to like kind of one-up it and trump it with some terribly like dismal sort of point of view Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I remember saying to Caitlin like I don't know what's gonna fix this and I had just, so I just got an apartment for the first time in two years I'd never lived by myself and I signed a lease on the apartment and I was feeling really sad. This is on like the 11th of December. 
And so on the 12th, I, I honestly was scared with my own thoughts. I'm like, I can't sit alone in this house for too long. I need to be doing things and be active with people and stuff. So I, on the 12th, I made a commitment to, to be out and about all day. And I, I made it most of the day. And around three o'clock, I found myself sitting at home and I was getting really depressed again. And I drew three angel cards. One of them was um, focus on service, which to me just like pissed me off <laughs> so much. I was like, oh, focus on service. Fuck this. <laughs> My next card uh, was to cleanse and detoxify. And let's be honest, I'm sitting there smoking the bong in that moment. And I was like, oh, of course, cleanse and detoxify. Like the only thing that's making me happy right now is to smoke a little weed and chill and journal. And now I have the angels telling me you can't do that either. Mm-hmm. So now I'm being told to get off my ass go help someone else even though I'm super sad and you know also cleanse and detoxify and I've, I've been for the last couple of years struggling with vegetarian vegetarianism you know veganism back and forth to like filet mignon and um so those two like oh they cut they like hurt my ego because I knew they were both so true and then the third one was entrepreneur which didn't really make any sense to me <laughs> and um Lo and behold, the next day, my dad gets in a motorcycle accident, which completely Mm -hmm. paradigm shift in an instant. All of a sudden, my entire life is service from, you know, my mom needs help doing, you know, she's an amazingly. What happened happened when you got the call? Oh, man, I was I was like playing handstands in my living room. My mom calls and she's like, your dad got in a wreck and he broke his arm and his leg and I'm going to go to the emergency room. And I, something said to me like, it's gotta be, that doesn't make any sense. He was just, I don't know. I just had a weird feeling. And so I'm like, should I come now? And she's like, no, no, you wait. And a few hours goes by, go by rather. And of course I get a follow-up call saying, Hey, the doctors um, are recommending that all the family come in. Hmm. Um, ASAP and so I got my next got the next flight out to New Mexico and I remember seeing my get to the ER or ICU and my mom's sitting there by herself and she just starts bawling when she sees me and I'm like you know I comfort her and it was interesting you know getting there the whole flight I was like really in my own head and I was like jittery and, and thinking about myself and then I get to the hospital and all of a sudden I see my mom before she sees me and it would just clicked like this isn't about me anymore. Like you had your moment Mm -hmm. on the way here, turn it on. And I just remember taking a deep conscious breath and I was like, you will not cry in front of your mom. And so I approached her and immediately she starts bawling and she holds on to me the way like a kid does to their parent, just like comfort, you know? And I'm like, where's dad? So I, I rushed back and I get the nurses to let me see him before he goes back for surgery. And I remember I ran into the back and I'm, I'm, you know, looking at each of the ICU rooms and they told me he was the last one on the right. And I get to the last one on the right and I see this, this guy and I can in my mind, I thought, I was like, man, that dude huffed up, um, just from all the hoses and everything, the, the gauze on the ground, just everything. The whole scene was just so intense. And the nurse goes, ma'am, can I help you find someone? And I kind of dismissively told her, oh, I'm looking for Richard Wilcher. And she goes, this is his room. And my heart stopped (laughs) and I like it took a moment I thought I gathered myself and I walked in and just to see him like hooked up to all the hoses and everything it like uh, there was a big part of me that thought like man is this the universe giving me a wake-up call because of what I you know how suicidal quote-unquote I was feeling over the past few days is and so I took on a lot 
a lot of um, guilt for mm-hmm. what happened to him. Like, honestly, feeling that the universe was like, oh, you don't see the value in life? Let me show you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that moment on, I just vowed that not only would I never be so selfish as to take my energy away from this earth, but I could never be so selfish as to not live life to the fullest and give those around me the best version of myself that I can possibly muster up every minute of the day. And if that means that, like, (laughs) we went to um, an opening party for the new Aloe store, and again, socializing with more than like three or four people can be a bit intense for me. And if you saw me at all that day, then you saw that I had these like giant sweat rinks underneath my armpits, like obnoxiously so. But you would never know that I was like really nervous that whole time because I chose to make eye contact and have deep conversations with every person because that was the only time that's going to happen. And this moment right now that we're doing this interview, this is this moment and it's fleeting. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, uh, I'd say my dad almost passing away was just a huge wake up call for me. My life has been, you know, even people, I was, I was away for about two months and I came back, people I work with professionally, people that, you know, whether it's like a romantic relationship, whatever it is, people across the board have just been like, (laughs) you're different. What happened? You know, and I think we all, we all have those moments in our life where, it's going to be your make or break and you have to choose to rise above not for you but for the people around you truly that's a, a huge inspiration to know that that level of maturity has evolved in your mind not only in your mind but also in your consciousness as your as your being i feel like you've leveled up like you've literally evolved i remember um, when we first started talking i like looked up to you in an unhealthy way. I thought so little of myself that I was like, oh man, someday I want to be like Andrew. And now I look at you and you're just like my equal, you know, you're my brother. And it's so beautiful that like throughout all of that, you've never treated me any differently. I'm just Mm -hmm. like a person in your life that you love and support no matter where I'm at. You always meet me where I'm at. Love is unconditional. You got to meet everyone where they are. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, the beauty of the the most impressive and most uh, decorated and most inspirational people of all time is that they see everyone as an equal, and I think that that is that's our goal. That mm-hmm. is our our dharma as a whole, as a whole consciousness of beings, is to see each other as equals because then we can truly rise together. Because there's no way that I can rise with you if I feel that I'm pulling you along. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own position and plays their own part in this beautiful, cosmic, you know, melting pot of energy. Yeah. And everyone literally has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And to think that anyone is less or any person's purpose is less important than your own is completely disregarding the beauty of nature. Yeah, well, one might argue that those people probably have the most to learn (laughs) if they feel, you know, any type of elitism or anything along those lines. It's like, well, well, they're probably just getting started. Yeah, yeah. No matter what it might appear. That I feel is the the evolution of a soul. Mm. Because the soul that is incarnated into your body that makes you the person that you are 
literally chose your body, chose the karmic predicament of your life, of having your mother and your father, of growing up being a little bit poor and having to <laughs> having to be here right now. Yeah. You know, it's I, the karmic predicament for our souls to meet and to have these conversations so that we can continue to thrive together on a level of upliftment for our whole entire universe. I wouldn't have it any other way. I remember growing up, like, you know, sort of like feeling, you know, oh man, these girls like all have such cute clothes or whatever it might have been. Like, I think Old Navy was like the really cool brand where I was mm-hmm. from <laughs> and went during my my time frame of like middle school. And, um, or even like, you know, to be really honest, there was definitely... There were some years where I went back and forth between really being really proud of my mom and being like a little, I like got in fights over her at, at school, like when kids would look at her funny. I feel like, yeah, it's just, and um, it's, it's prepared me to be just one of the most loving and open and down to earth people that mm-hmm. I've ever met. You know, of course I'm like, <laughs> of course I'm crazy. I think like the, the, the quote, um, what is it? Like, you have to have roots that grow, d- reach down into hell in order to have branches that reach the heavens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by no means am I, like, all love and light. Like, <laughs> you know, I've anybody who knows side. me, you know, you know, it's there. <laughs> but um, it fuels me, you know, and I'm, um, it's, yeah, I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't, like you know, growing up with broken teeth, that like humbles a person. I had to learn how to smile. My two front teeth were broken until I was 18 years Mm -hmm. old. And, um, even now I catch myself like, like smile. And I do this like purse lipped kind of, and I'm like, no, I am filled with fucking joy, like open mouth, ridiculous giggle, you know? (laughs) Um, yeah, never, never let your own fear hold you back from helping to elevate someone else. I think would be the biggest takeaway because like I look at my life and had I remember Caitlin said to me a couple years ago and this sentence will always like I'll always remember it she turned to me and we hardly knew each other and this is gypset goddess by the way you guys she said can I be really honest with you and I shockingly sort of looked at him like yeah what and even now like when I look back I like see a child when I think when I play back that story I see hyper like yeah oh my god tell me what like you know super hyper childish Aubrey which Mm -hmm. is still there but anyway she's just like very you know lovingly turns to me and she says you know and this comes from a place of productivity and love I wouldn't waste my time saying this if it was anything else um she said you're a really lovable person and people want to love you and they want to give you the things that you need and want you just have to learn to ask for them and so had she been too shy or too scared or whatever, whatever it might have been that could hold her back from making that statement, I wouldn't be where I am here today, you know. And I think even you, I can't think of any specific moments with you, but I know there's been conversations where you've evolved me in so many ways. And had you been too closed off or shy or in your own little space to give me that, then I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, mm-hmm. here and now. So. That's that's awesome. I wanted to actually segue to how you feel you're evolving in sharing your gift, because I would say right now, just knowing what you're doing is a huge step for Aubrey. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I touched on it a little bit. Um, I mean, yoga. So my practice is it's embodied. You know, I have like a fairly flexible body. I'm fairly strong. And as a result, 
um, people expecting me to be this like super wise, like amazing teacher, uh, or maybe that's just a story I'm telling myself. I don't know. But anyway, I had this situation a couple years ago. Like it was right after I'd done my teacher training, so probably three years ago. This woman reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you're moving to San Francisco. I want you to run my teacher training program, <laughs> or no, not teacher training. Excuse me, <laughs> yoga program. For it was like a Pilates studio trying to go yoga studio." And I knew in my heart I was not prepared or qualified for this job. But, you know, you got to, like, do things that you just don't think you're so whatever. I went and taught a mock class and it was just like, uh, like seven Pilates instructors and her and her husband just sort of like staring at me. Like none of them really (laughs) did. And like, anyway, her list of feedback for me was like two pages long and it scared the fuck out of me. And all of a sudden I convinced myself that like. I'm not ready to teach and I need just I need one more training or I need like one more month of studying or I need this or that or I just kept thinking I needed more before I could start teaching and before I knew it I'd actually just not even studied or done anything for like a year and it became this like point of like oh almost like a point of shame like people would be like are you a teacher and I'm like kind of (laughs) kind of I've done some things um but anyway so in the last six months or so that desire um you know I've been teaching a little bit more I did some online stuff and which also was like terrifying but anyway it that entrepreneur card that I drew I think kind of just all of a sudden clicked into place and I've just been learning to share my passions and you know whatever it is in my bot like not not trying to fit or conform into someone else's box but like what do I want to share what makes me happy mm-hmm. and learning that that is exactly what it's supposed to be you're never uh-huh. supposed to become a teacher you're supposed to just like really embody yourself and share the gifts that have been given to you it's kind of like you know if pepper tried to be salt we wouldn't have fucking pepper like we you know it's like it's this beautiful full coarse meal and we need all the flavors to make it taste just right Hmm. and i think i'm finally comfortable just being my own flavor that's (laughs) i'm proud of you for being comfortable and being your own flavor because you're you're a very unique flavor (laughs) i'm like cumin motherfucker Oh my Just kidding. Goodness. I don't even know what cumin tastes like. <laughs> I'd say you're more like fenugreek. Fenugreek. Yeah. It better be tasty. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, it's a great seasoning. Um, <laughs> so tell me, what are you most excited about sharing right now? In your teaching practice. In my teaching practice. Well, I finally decided to release my first ebook, and it's just kind of happened so organically, I can't deny it. You know, for um, a couple years now, I've been encouraged to release a backbend ebook or like a booty ebook, you know, because they just <laughs> happen to be things that kind of like, um, you know, from an outsider perspective are my strengths. Mm-hmm. And what I found over the last few months is that I was, you know, I'd roll my mat out next to my dad's bed, but I was never really able to get into a full hour long flow. It's like, hey, Aubrey, will you empty this urinal? Hey, Aubrey, will you get my pain medicine? Hey, Aubrey, will you do this or that? You know, turn on the heater, turn off the heater, give me a blanket. So it's a lot of like up, down, up, down. And what I started to do was fill my time with nolly work or breath work Mm -hmm. or low things like I would hold maybe a lalasana and see if I can just bring my legs you know just stuff I'd never really experimented with because it was always very ego driven like let me get the deepest back bend or let me pop right into this handstand Mm -hmm. and so you know for a little while I'm like man I'm losing a little bit of you know maybe definition in my legs or whatever I was noticing things that were you know sort of like 
um, losing the strength, like I said. And then I, I, it clicked that my handstands had gotten incredibly strong, basically all my inversions. And it's because of the core and it's because of the nollie work. And that was something that came up during meditation when I finally stopped fighting it and I allowed myself to open my eyes and journal whatever bits of inspiration. It just sort of hit me like a brick wall, like share this, mm-hmm. you know, you have tips and tricks you have. It's been something that I've been able to do in excess. I didn't know why, but since I was like eight years old. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. that core strength has yes. really allowed you to find a more st- stable handstand basically and you know like the hippie in me wants to argue that there's also a sense of grounding and strength and and belief in myself like never before based off of what happened with my dad and the role Mm -hmm. that I had to step into um I never expected to be able to handle that with so much strength and grace you should look into the Manipuri chakra because um basically that's your (laughs) your core chakra it's Mm -hmm. your center of your being and it's said to have a lot to do with your ego. And when your ego has been released um, from that sense of being overinflated, per se, like they say that a lot of people who have overactive Manipuri chakra actually become obese, or those who have underactive become like anorexic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, once you have that health, like that full embodiment of your core, everything else, your extremities, your upper chakras and your lower chakras work in unison. And I think that that, that sense of you finding your, your, your balance. Yeah. Not yeah. only, not only it's your like balance, physically embodied. Yeah. It's physically embodied, but also your voice, like mm. your voice to teach, like who you are, like that is your, that is your, um, like your passion has been found yeah. and now your voice is heard and you're embodying that not only in your practice but also in how you share your practice. Yeah, it's so great that you say that because I it's I for a long time I kept I'm like is it my throat chakra? It can't be. Like my visuda is I I have plenty to say and when I'm in the right environment and I'm supported that there's no problem. I talk. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm open and I will share my opinions, but it was like the belief in myself that yes. stemmed from somewhere so much lower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like and it's not my heart chakra cuz that motherfucker's on fire too. <laughs> I just want to love and connect and you know and and that I do feel like it's been it's been a process. It's been building blocks and sometimes one's off, one's not. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, there was something about I don't know, something about being back home and, like I said, stepping into that role. And, you know, my family is, like, as close as we are. I can honestly say I've never I'd never seen my dad cry. I'd never had my dad hug me with both arms and, like, kiss mm. me on the cheek. And even, you know, what I choose to do for a living, there was this long period of time where um, I remember my mom telling me, oh, you know, your sister-in-law was, was telling us, oh, you watch and see, she's going to do amazing things. And I'm like, well... In other words, you basically just said to me that you and dad don't, you know, believe in what I'm doing. And that hurts. That hurts. And uh, definitely through this trip home and being able to help them, whether it's with my time and being able to physically be there but still have my work going or mm-hmm. um, being able to even use the platform of amazing people that I've been able to connect with through Instagram to help my parents make ends meet. I mean, when I got there, my mom's like, I have $50 in my purse and Mm. that's what I have. Um, It's incredible. It's like, 
I don't know, I just come back to a lot of Steve Jobs' words sometimes. He's one of the most inspiring people to me, and he says, you just cannot connect the dots looking forward. I could have never known that, you know, through me finding meditation a year and a half ago and really making it embodied and part of my daily practice, like, mm-hmm. I got my dad to meditate. Well, he calls, he, he made me agree that it was a combination between meditation and prayer, which I let him have that. <laughs> I'm like, sure, Dad, we're praying and meditating. Uh, yeah. Um, but I really firmly believe that I am the only influence that could have done that for him. And so if you can take that and, and expand that into a, a larger scale and realize that whatever you put out there in the world, there's somebody who will only receive that from you. Hmm. Right? And so if you're putting shit out there, there is somebody who will only receive shit from you and you can choose at any point to to stop that put out something higher vibrational and realize that like i said you know you may not even know it might be like your coworker who you think has no respect for you but you change a little something and you can see those shifts happen in people you know if you become more observant be the change you wish to see yeah and so I don't know exactly how we trailed here, but I think you were asking, like, how did I find that voice? Where we were talking about finding my voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it it's so interesting and it sounds so backward, but you really have to drop the ego and stop. It's not about you. Even if, like, all of these struggles feel as if they are your struggles, they're not. That's, you know, when you can overcome it, you're really doing it, like I said, for the betterment of the community. And so, like, even if it sounds a little, you know, like, oh, well, like, how the fuck's an inversion going to better the community? If if I can help strengthen someone's physical practice and that draws them more into a yogic lifestyle, or even if it's like a placebo effect, and they're just really happy that they got that handstand today and they can go out into the world and, and continue to spread that, like, sense of accomplishment and love mm-hmm. and, and gratitude to even one other person, then I think it's worth it. That's the way to think. I feel that that's the selfless nature of inspiration because then it comes from your heart and it's easy for people to absorb and to fully feel that sense of, yes, I can do this. <laughs> because I think inspiration actually means that your your light is bright enough to inspire another to shine. Mm-hmm. Like your flame is big enough to light another one. Exactly. Yeah. And so I I feel that this Mm. is perfect because I I want to have you share with our listeners one golden nugget that they can take with them throughout their day as just like a, a little reminder, a little something to give them, to inspire them on their journey as a yogi. Hmm. Well, I would say forget almost everything that you think you know about yoga and really boil it down and know that yoga in its essence is you know, we squeeze into these uncomfortable positions and we're expected to maintain focus with our drishti and, and, and you know, control over our breath, a sense of comfort. And really all of that is intended to to highlight and bring about and strengthen this this sort of space of peaceful comfort within you and knowing that know that you can tap into yoga at any point in the day so whatever circumstances await you for your day set the intention to just be more compassionate 
and calmer and more aware in every moment. If you don't take time to make eye contact with those around you and to have some type of connection, to give your day some type of purpose, then you know we're missing the point, the point of it all. And same goes for your yoga classes. If you roll in there just trying to get some like tighter abs, you know, and some stronger arms, like go to Pilates. Mm-hmm. You know, you really haven't like shown up to a yoga class and really experienced it if you didn't like make eye contact with the person next to you. Did did you have do you know their name? Did you meet one person? Did you make a person smile? Did you compliment someone? Um, and did you have patience and gratitude for yourself? Because most of all, that's what's most important. Yeah. The, sure. I actually heard a, a great saying from a friend of mine named Jay Brave. He said, peace worldwide starts from inside. Mm. And it's such a simple idea, but it's so true. It's like, how do we affect those around us other than to start with ourselves? Well, and if you, this has been something fun I like to do. If you think about the sentence, I love you, and if you draw parentheses around love, then you realize that really only love exists between you and I. Hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, that was the golden nugget right there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love you, and and picture that that sentence in your eyes or in your mind, and realize again, really, only love exists between you and I. Thank you so much for your time today, Aubrey. Mm. The Yoga Revealed <laughs> listeners and the amazing people on the other ends of these sound waves are feeling your good vibrations, and I truly appreciate you as a human being. Oh, Andrew, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> I hope you all made it to the end of this so that you know that I love you too. And this interview has been a long time coming, so please know I, yeah, I'm so grateful for anybody who lets even one or two of these words resonate in a positive way and can go forth and, and give love as well. Hmm. Thank you for what you do, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Aubrey Marie and her upcoming classes and trainings worldwide at her site, aubreymarie.com. Make sure to check out her Instagram for beautifully raw inspiration. We absolutely appreciate your listenership and would really appreciate a five-star review on this iTunes podcast. As you know, this is led and directed by our community. So we appreciate your participation. Until next time, yogis, live light, shine bright. Blessings. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.